everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, Volume 4, Issue 162. You can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 4, and our next five podcasts will include Silent Hill 4, The Room, Sound Shapes. After that, it's WarioWare Inc., Mega Micro Games, and WarioWare Inc., Mega Party Games. After that, Chrono Trigger, and then it's back to Silent Hill for the origin story. Uh, possibly the non-canonical origin story. I believe it. there's some controversy about the writing of that game. I need to look into it before we start talking <laughs> about it. Head to canerince.com, of course, for the full schedule. Uh, I say full. It's uh, it's not quite full for the rest of this volume yet, but it, it goes a little further ahead than that. Uh, the blog, of course, links to our merchandise store. And, of course, this being the world in 2015, we have a Facebook page and a Google Plus account <laughs> i still never know what to say what is it a page i don't know i don't think anybody does yeah, google plus. <laughs> we have a google plus and a youtube uh please go and watch some of those videos because they're very cool and uh they could do with a lot more attention i feel uh we also have another podcast sound of play um of which at the time of hearing this there should be eight uh which totals 72 tracks of top quality video game music uh, that's out now. Search for it on iTunes uh, and Stitcher Radio. Uh, and please review, rate, and most importantly, subscribe to both of our podcasts on iTunes if you can. Much appreciated. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Brian Tarran. Hello. Jay Taylor. Hello. And Sean O'Brien. Hello. Hello, everybody. Well, once before, many, many moons ago, Kana Rince talked about... Assassin's Creed. Uh, this was back in November 2011 in issue six of the podcast. Uh, that was uh, Tony, Jay here, um, and Carl and James. So an almost entirely different panel. Um, so at that point in 2011, uh, what was it? Revelations was just about to come out. Yeah, that was the one. Assassin's Creed Revelations. Mm -hmm. So we'd already mm -hmm. had Assassin's Creed 1, of course, in 2007, and uh, Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood, right? Um, yeah. And that was, you know, this was a podcast made when we were, uh, you know, we hadn't completely refined the format and decided exactly what we were doing and stuff. But I suppose that podcast does uh, talk somewhat about the first three games in the series. So effectively, we've um, missed out Revelations, for good or for ill. And here we are, about to talk about the fifth game in the Assassin's Creed franchise. Um, so by this stage, it had gone annual, but this was the first numbered sequel for three years? Two or three years. Mm. Um, so do seek out that podcast if you're interested. It, it may sound uh, a little, you know, creaky by today's standards, or maybe not. Who knows? Um, I thought we should give out a general Assassin's Creed spoiler warning. Now, we will be careful particularly about spoiling the more recent games, and I don't think there's any reason why we would spoil mm -hmm. uh, Black Flag or Unity. We may not even be able to spoil Black Flag or Unity. I'm not sure who's played them, who hasn't, um, but... We may end up referring back to earlier Assassin's Creeds than three, and we'll certainly be talking about all of Assassin's Creed three. So that is your warning. Uh, so our histories, uh, not just with Assassin's Creed three, please, Brian, but with the franchise. Which ones had you played up to this point, and did you consider yourself a fan of I the Assassin's Creed thing? Yeah, I'd considered myself. Uh, well, I think by this point, or by the time Assassin's Creed 
3 came out. I was somewhat a jaded fan, I think. Already, uh, right. Well, the, the first game, you know, was remarkable for the for the tech and for, you know, what it tried to do early on in the console generation. And then there was the excitement around uh, Assassin's Creed 2 and all the new things that it brought in and how it refined that. Uh, so, you know, rushed back to Brotherhood, did the same with Revelations, and I think it became... I was on an annual cycle with them, as as, as yeah. I'm sure most people were, and I thought I think it just when Assassin's Creed Three came out, I was just like, I'm not sure I can. I got the stomach for another one right at this moment. Uh, I didn't. That didn't last very long. It's a good way to was, go into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't last very long. My, my resistance lasted all of about uh, four or five months. I think. No, when did it come out? Was it October or November? Yeah, uh, October. October in, uh, on on three consoles, and then right. the no, uh, November was the Wii U. Three months then. I held out for three months. Um, and I, I picked up a copy of Assassin's Creed 3 only because I think I saw it for a, a ridiculously cheap price secondhand. So that's that's how I came to play it. So, yeah, sort of cold towards it to begin with. But And when you oh. did play it, uh, did you rush through the story? Did you do everything of which there is a lot of everything to do uh how did you tackle it how many do you know roughly how many hours you put in how many percent you managed to complete uh i don't know um the i i know that i had great difficulty deciding whether to rush through the story or do everything that was on offer and i know in the end that i gave up and just thought i will just concentrate on finishing the story missions and put it away and not go back to it uh, okay. but, so I definitely didn't complete all of it, but I, I got sure. a, a fair way through it in terms of, in fair, terms of completion rate anyway. Cool. Jay, what about you? Uh, first, um, which Assassin's Creed's had you played and, uh, when did you get this? I think, I think I'm going to guess you played this when it was on PS plus. Um, that's the copy that I've got now, but it wasn't the first time that I played it. Oh, okay. I, I played up until this point, I played every, every Assassin's Creed up until three. Um, not, I think day one, one and two, and then the others were sort of at some point when they became cheaper, I picked them up and with brotherhood and revelation, well, revelations I picked up when it was on sale, uh, for about a fiver, I think. And, and, mm. uh, brotherhood, I actually rented from love film at the time, but it was with, with three, um, it was, I guess if the game came out sort of pre Christmas 2012 then it was probably January or February of 2013 that I actually got this uh, friend of mine lent it me um and yeah so I was I've always been kind of keen I've always found myself wanting to play the, each of the Assassin's Creed games but never to the point of enthusiasm where I wanted to day one the games anymore mm. but I've always sort of found myself getting at some point you know uh picking them up and playing them and um yeah I played the hell out of it um yeah, just I can't remember the exact percentage. The the place, the the save that I've got from the version that I got on the PS Plus because I decided once I got that version that I would start again. Mm. I've got currently sitting at eighty six percent, a total of seventy one hours spent playing wow. just the the core game. I've actually got another save that's only about sort of, I guess fifteen hours or something where I decided to start it again, but didn't didn't really get that very far in that one. So. And Sean, were you a mm. franchise fan? Did you day one this or what? Yeah, I was a real big fan of Assassin's Creed. Um, I played the first one on 360, like probably a few months after it came out. But then uh, 2 and Brotherhood and Revelations, I was all day one 
um, mostly on PS3 because it had those stupid 60-minute exclusive extra content. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so I, I chose those ones and because I was also a trophy fan. So, um, And then, uh, yeah, day one on Assassin's Creed 3. I didn't play any of the portable ones. We didn't mention those, but I don't know if they were even worth mentioning. But there was like a PSP one and I think an iPhone one at this point. And, wow, okay. Um, yeah. I'd kind of erased those from my memory. We'll, we'll yeah. talk a little <laughs> about the Vita one later if any of yeah. us have uh, sampled it. Um, yeah. the, which accompanied this game. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, how much did you play? Um, I played just mostly the story. Uh, I didn't really do much of any of the outside missions. Um, and I don't remember how many hours that is uh, or percentage-wise. And then I tried it again on PC um, just the last week. And I got up to about the big twist. And then I'd, um, I had to stop for reasons that we'll get into, <laughs> I'm sure. Okay. Um, so I'm wary of getting into the realm of perceptions of perceptions because it's not so, it's something we try to avoid dealing with, with you know, i.e. everyone hates this game because they hate Connor, you know, sort of sweeping statements like that that might be based on anecdotal evidence. But what I want to talk about to start with, just to get a, a feel for where we're coming from going into this game, is... Um, Starting with you, Sean, um, mm. we'll come back to my history in a minute. There's not much of it. Um, what is it that you in, enjoyed about the Assassin's Creed games up to this point? What was it that kept you playing? What was it? <sighs> mechanics, story, um, sandbox? What, what is it that you love? The combat? You know, name it. Yeah, it was mostly the story, as stupid and silly as it is. Like, it's just... Okay. I, and I really liked Ezio as a character. He was really... Um, personable and, and fun to just play as and see his story play out and I wasn't so much a fan of Altair um mm. from the first game but I don't think many people were and I think that's kind of why they people didn't switched. have time to get attached to him and yeah and, and I feel like that game was uh, I know I've never played Assassin's Creed one but mm. the general consensus the vibe I get is that it was um kind of a proof of concept and a, and yeah. a kind of a, a, a show of what they were what they were trying to do more than mm. a, a, a complete and polished product yeah and with Ezio you got his story between the three games you literally got from where he was born until he's a senior citizen so you got yeah. to spend so much time decades with this character and get to know him really well yeah Jay what do you what reasons do you play it for you know obviously I'm going to assume with you I know you like narrative driven games but the hmm. fact that you played this to 86 percent means that you did a lot of non-narrative stuff yeah, I mean, I think the thing with the Assassin's Creed games in particular has always been, you know, and I might have even touched upon this in our, in our original podcast, was it's the settings. It's it's the historical settings, mm. which I've found the sort of recreation of the cities, be it, you know, Jerusalem uh, or Florence or, or, you know, those places. Mm. That, that has always been the thing that sort of drew me into those games. Yeah. Um, I mean, we all know they're not you know entirely accurate but they yeah. give a they, well, they, give they a do put a lot of research flavor. they do yeah, yeah. They, they they've noted for making a lot of research into sort of maybe not like precise maps but the locations and the sort of you know the sort of general mm -hmm. dimensions and the general sort of positions of, of famous buildings seems to be fairly accurate yeah um obviously there are constraints there are a lot yeah. of repeated buildings and and things that there wouldn't necessarily have been back mm. at these times and and uh and 
elements like that. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of always makes me think, partly because of the whole animus situation, it, rem- it makes me think of Quantum Leap, the old TV series. It's that <laughs> sort of take on history. It's quite broad strokes. It, it, maybe yeah. that's doing it a slight disservice, but it's a kind of fun broad strokes take on mm-hmm. actual events uh, mm. with complete fantasy thrown in there as well, of course. But it, it's, it's always been the thing that's sort of drawn me into these games. And I, I, I was saying to somebody... Well, I've, I've probably said it to several people over the course of the last few years when I've been talking about these games is they've always made me, I've Googled more stuff playing Assassin's mm. Creed games mm-hmm. and not, not not like YouTube how-to videos or location <laughs> stuff, but just, Actual you know, history. the characters because they use real historical events and, you know, named historical characters. It's always found, I've always found that stuff really interesting and often end up Googling who these characters really were and the actual you know the the real sort of history around them, and, I, and I've really found that stuff quite diverting and quite interesting. And but yeah, but yeah, I know, you know, knowing you as I do, I I imagine that like me, you also get a kick just out of running around these sort of um, you know both uh, urban and mm. uh, rural environments, just being oh, yeah. in being in the world yeah. kind of thing. You yeah, know, look looking at the light in the trees and all that sort of thing, and. Um, yeah. it's not necessarily about the, the ludological side of these games for me it's it's as much as any and, and I think in some ways that's probably a good thing because I think that's where they fall down in some some cases mm-hmm. um, compared to some of their peers Brian what about you what do you like what, what was it that got you hooked on this series up to this point at least anyway uh, a mixture of everything that Sean and Jay said really a uh, sense of history sense of place and uh, spectacle really I feel you know that they do an excellent job of putting you in this world and convincing you that it's a faithful recreation of a period in time and a period in history. And I'm just a bit of a sucker for that, really. Uh, The story, and I do like the story as as Bobbins as it is a lot of the time. Uh, I like (laughs) meeting the the historical characters and finding out a bit about them and then doing the uh, after hours research on Wikipedia and things like that. Yeah. Was actually, I was lucky enough to go to Boston last year and I was surprised doing the historical trail around the city, Fantastic. I was impressing the people I was with because I was like, oh, this is this building here, this building here. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't have the heart to say this because I'd played a video game <laughs> and that's how I knew it all. But I saw all the wow. key sites in the game. And, and so that sort of thing, it re- you know, it, it might not seem like a, an educational product, but I think it does. I think it really brings something yeah. to the sort Even of the video game experience. youngsters Googling, you know. Yeah, yeah, quite. Yeah, yeah. I was impressed with the... The, the the recreations that they have in the game and and I, as I say it's not maybe it's not the layout of the places but the buildings the key buildings mm. and the key moments are I think as faithful as they can make it. So the developer, of course, is Ubisoft Montreal. Um, they started way back in '99 with Tonic Trouble for the N64, uh, which I remember being reviewed but didn't play. Um, obviously, the probably the key game in their past is Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time, and Assassin's Creed was, I believe, originally going to be a, a Prince of Persia game. Mm. Hence the you know the very similar feeling parkour type mechanics. Um, after that, of course, uh, they went on to do various Tom Clancy games, uh, Assassin's Creed, um, Far Cry Two, and and many more. The director is one Alex Hutchinson, whose CV includes The Sims 2, uh, Batman Begins. Remember that one on the PS2? No. Uh, <laughs> worked on Spore, Army of Two, Dante's Inferno. More recently, Far Cry 2. Uh, according to Alex Hutchinson, uh, the team settled on the American Revolution 
quotes, once we realized you could meet Washington, sail a boat, leap from tree to tree in the middle of winter and hunt wildlife. So, you know, uh, I mean, I realize that's a that's a soundbite, but, um, you know, that that says something about how they make that decision to just you know where and when to set a game it's not it's not what would make the most interesting and right. relevant story that we could tie the <laughs> yeah. templars and the assassins yeah. into no it's it's basically it's about the uh, the gameplay opportunities which you know maybe that's the maybe that's the right approach uh so this game um reviewed slightly lower overall i believe than its predecessors um on game rankings uh, the xbox 360 version from almost 50 reviews has just under 85 percent uh on average um but uh it didn't seem to do uh too badly for its sales uh it's sold uh at 11 12 13 million uh, across uh, all formats, which seems fairly healthy to me. I imagine it was a fairly uh, financially hefty production, and I must admit, I don't know, um, you know, whether the the development overlapped with two and Revelations. Whether it was a, a like the the core team made like the main team made Assassin's Creed two, maybe, and then bits split off and made the kind of the non numbered sequels, and then the you know, larger amount of people moved on to Assassin's Creed Three. I'm not entirely sure how it worked, but I think you know we're seeing with with the um, with the buggy state of Unity, by you know anecdotally mm-hmm. by all accounts uh, when it was first released that perhaps the uh, annualization of the franchise hasn't hasn't been the best for it. Um, but that said, Black Flag, I think people seem to enjoy, but maybe the expectations mm-hmm. were lower than than this one. Um, I'm not sure. So uh, another thing. Uh, that is all about uh, Assassin's Creed that uh, sometimes it's often greeted with a curl of the lip and a roll of the eyes, but the whole outside the animus thing. Um, And this game concludes the story of Desmond Miles, which started way back in Assassin's Creed 1, I assume. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, because I missed that part. So I came in, this is my history of the game, as brief as it is. I didn't play Assassin's Creed. I did play Assassin's Creed 2. Um did almost everything in it uh, quite enjoyed it um but was a little worn out by the end uh didn't get round to playing brotherhood or revelations and i've only just played this assassin's creed 3 in the last week um having put in uh 17 and a half hours in the last 6 days um and um yeah finished it didn't play the dlc or anything like that um finished the story but obviously haven't finished everything i'm only on 47 percent. there is so much to do we'll come on to that but yes the outside the animus stuff so i was uh i remember feeling a little bit nonplussed by this whole desmond story um when playing assassin's creed 2 i was actually quite unaware of it having only seen generally when you see screenshots of assassin's creed back in those days it was always in the you know in the animus Mm -hmm. um you seldom saw these shots uh but of course you have got this whole the whole the the wraparound thread is that these are the modern descendants of the assassins and you're going back to find out uh clues and find out the means to save the world from um the uh the templars now now known as abstergo a sort of sinister mega global corporation um but there's also this whole thing with the uh the sort of spiritual ancestors of the forerunners to the humans sort of guiding the hand and disagreeing about uh the way forward then there are various MacGuffins such as the apple uh a golden sphere which um does stuff 
<laughs> this is powerful. Um, and there's various trinkets and, and things and um, unlikely globetrotting uh, events to um, uh, find these uh, power sources at, uh, at boxing matches in Brazil, <laughs> museums in <laughs> Egypt, and goodness knows what else. Um, so were any of you... Um, were any of you kind of uh, you, you're saying you you like the story and the mm. setting? Does that include the and the outside the animus stuff, or are you talking purely about being Ezio and uh, yeah, well, and in this case Connor? For me, yeah. it was definitely more <laughs> the inside the animus stuff, and I think the way you just described the general plot of the outside the animus stuff is that like it's it's pure evidence as why they felt they should end it here because <laughs> in in four and Unity, there's barely any outside animus stuff at all. So I think they were, really? I think they were um it almost felt like they were aware that this was just getting way too out of hand and it just gets even crazier at that <laughs> towards the end of uh, 3. But that that was always yeah that was always my issue mm-hmm. with it. I mean uh, it always felt like he didn't need this stuff and uh, frankly it's never felt at all that they knew where they were going yeah, with it. Yeah. And the fact that they wrote it out so casually mm-hmm. and just and I mean I I've always had issues with Desmond's character. I just thought the whole it only ever made sense in one, yeah. and that was kind of just because that was the first game, so it set the scene. But it, it lost me after that. It just, it just felt I don't want to be playing this guy. I don't like this guy. These bits feel at odds with the rest of the game. They always, you know, whenever you got, I mean, particularly in three, whenever I got to a Desmond sequence, it's like, oh, <laughs> get, let's get this over yeah. with. Just get it done. And I was, I, I couldn't have cared less about the this this ongoing narrative thread with that particular with the Juno and Minerva or whatever it was just it was just it's utter tosh from start to finish and (laughs) the game series would have been my belief is the same is the game series would have been better from just having never had touched that stuff and just setting it solely in the historical settings I still still think they were building up I felt they were building up to something Mm -hmm. with it that certainly um uh, you know the, the bits where you're wandering around the cave, unlocking mm. bits were were fairly were fairly dull. But I saw I don't know this might be um, memory playing tricks on me, but I saw I saw something in the actual missions that you go on. Certainly the tower mission where I thought, okay, I can see how they're going to develop this now, and I can see how this is going to be. There's going to be a modern day mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed because they yeah. kind of drip feed. You know, Desmond gets yeah. more progressively right. more competent. And I thought, okay, so they're gonna they're setting something up, uh, you know, whether it was a you know that they were yeah. going to move the 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 story there permanently. I, I don't know, but it just felt like they were moving towards something. So I didn't like the story; it didn't make any sense. Um, uh, I didn't like the way characters would suddenly be Templars and then assassins <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah. And, you know, it, none of that sort of hooked me. But I, I liked the idea of. I thought it felt like a very strong sort of three act tale, you know, or, or four act tale. I guess it would have been. Uh, to have this guy building up his powers and then a game mm. devoted to him mm-hmm. set in the modern day. But I, I felt like they bottled it, really. I don't know. I, it, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And it felt like, it, it, like on the surface, that there was every possibility that that stuff could have been just as good as the historical mm-hmm. you know, stuff. But for whatever reason, it, you always felt they just it was skimmed through and either it wasn't fleshed out enough, there wasn't enough. I mean, they tried to build in the uh, character for Desmond, but it never yeah. felt, he never felt substantial in the way that, you know, Ezio and even to some extent, even Connor mm. felt in comparison and, and, and it always felt just so weak in, in, in and not just because it sometimes like, particularly when you go to the Brazil section in three, 
if it, you get the sense that it's an entirely different team making <laughs> yeah. these sections because yeah. it just felt so at odds at times with the the rest of the game and and ah oh, yeah just yeah I think for it to have been a success they it would have they would have need to have been stronger writing on the yeah. on the part of the team and I think that was why yeah. they they bottled it because you know. As we said earlier, you know, it was the settings and it's the historical mm. spectacle that that sells us on these games. And I think they, you know, they probably looked at it and thought, you know what, <laughs> I don't think we've got the chops to spin a good story about this character in in the modern setting. And I don't think it's going to sell. And I think that's well, I've I think often, it's a shame. I've I've often wondered if it was a case that when they originally had the sort of, I mean, this is pure supposition on my part, but I guess. I've often wondered if 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 they'd only had a certain number of games in mm -hmm. mind to begin yeah. with, so like a trilogy or something, yeah. and that was why that stuff was there, and they were going to build it up, and then on the third game you were going to play the modern right. set it, yeah. and yeah. then for whatever reason they decided they can they this franchise can go a lot further than that, and as we've seen, you know, however many games, I mean, now they're churning these things out like I'm losing track of how many games they're releasing <laughs> at the moment, and it's and you just think, well, that Desmond stuff would have you couldn't maintain that. That mm -hmm. it, it it just it would just go to the point where you would forget what the hell was going on, mm. and it feel you know it felt from you know obviously it, it culminates in three, and then as, as, in particular from the from what I've read, I am completely at a, at a loss as to tell you where they go with this no, sort of future no. stuff after that. It's just it just it's baffling at but, times. But I do wonder if it was just a case that they needed to kill it because otherwise it, it was just not they couldn't stretch this out sequel after sequel after mm -hmm. sort of you know it would just get crazy. Yeah, it was it getting done. tiresome by mm. three. So yeah, no, fully with you there. I just I just felt it was a shame. I thought it was a missed opportunity. On the side of somebody who came back to this after having played two five years ago and then jumping straight into three, um, I didn't feel like I'd really missed anything um, mm. in Brotherhood and Revelations. That may be unfair, but in terms of the main story, there's a kind of three-minute catch-up at the start of this, mm. which pretty much tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Um, the problem I have, uh, while on one level I like the fact that it gives a framework to why you're doing what you're doing, Maybe it wasn't necessary. Maybe the framework could be something completely else. And I, I'm I'm interested to see what they're doing with it in uh, Black Flag and, and Unity. But um, the problem I had was was when, when, when you're out the Animus, not only are you playing as, you know, the, probably the least uh, charismatic Nolan North character <laughs> there is, uh, and that includes the sexual ped predator in uh, The Last of Us, um, it's uh it's his dad you know played by a mm. uh, well-known actor john mm. delancey mm -hmm. who you know they start off um at odds and he punt his dad punches him in the face but by the end it's all come home and live with me son um you've got the uh, danny wallace who's um you know i quite like him in thomas was alone but his character in this although he's on the side of right he's got a very liberal agenda and all that he's quite annoying he's smug yeah. and um he's sort of he's a bit like he he reminds me at times of of wheatley stephen merchant's character mm. in portal 2 but without the charm yeah. uh, and then you've got uh, one of the many many um capable but completely sidelined female characters mm -hmm. in rebecca crane who's obviously a key part of the team but yet doesn't really get to do anything much um and yeah so and it's odd because the you know there are these uh few platforming and combat sections in 
in the real world outside the Animus where you don't have a heads-up display, you don't have um, your usual icons or, or um, anything on screen to tell you, you know, really what's going on, how much trouble you're in or, or anything like that. And it, and it, uh, I, I guess the idea is to make you feel like you're, yeah, taking all that Desmond has learned through his work with Ezio and Connor and, and applying it in the real world. But, um, yeah, generally you're like, you, you can't wait to get back to the safety of the, uh, and the prettiness of the animus, you know, where you're, mm. where you're doing these old timey, you know, things, even if it is, you know, it's quite brutal in, in places, you know, dark bits of history and whatever, but, um, yeah, and the end, I mean, the end's just hilarious because <laughs> uh, I thought it was going to be like a Mass Effect exactly. style choice. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's, uh, so you either have the choice, basically, you know, the, to put it in its simplest terms, the Templars and Abstergo want uh, order through control and the Assassins want uh, freedom for everybody to do as they choose. Um, so the choice at the end comes down to... Um, Desmond uh, sacrificing himself, of course, to save the planet from this solar flare attack um, somehow, <laughs> uh, or, or or not sacrificing himself. And there's an amazing cutscene where if he doesn't sacrifice himself, you see the future as he be- <laughs> as he grows a beard and becomes a Jesus-like <laughs> cult leader uh, before, uh, and his scriptures get taken. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I agree with the fundamental, uh, you know, point of this. Uh, about organized religion but mm-hmm. you, you see you know like the, he comes up with or he doesn't come up with but his teachings are taken into scripture and then they're turned into not something to teach people how to be nice to one another but in fact how as an excuse to kill one another for not believing the same thing and yeah it's just uh. a little bit heavy-handed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it did make me laugh um i'll give it that but i thought that i was don't think that's what they were going for though <laughs> no <laughs> Yeah, I th- I, there would have been. I thought there was an interesting opportunity because in once you're in the Animus and you start this game playing as this uh, much more charismatic and interesting mm-hmm. Englishman called Haytham Kenway, um, and I thought there were going to be interesting uh, an attempt at paralleling the story of Connor uh, and Haytham, mm. his father and son, uh, son and father, and Desmond and his dad, uh, but it doesn't really work out that way. No. Um, no. But yes, yeah, so that the game throws you for a loop at the first bit, uh, the the first post because I was expecting to play as uh, this uh, Native American Iroquois chap called uh, I'm not going to attempt <laughs> the the pronunciation. Um, all their all their names and place names have colons in, and they're very long and elaborate, um, and uh, they're difficult to say. So he becomes known as Connor for for everyone's sake, which uh, is a little disrespectful, I feel, but. <laughs> understandable um but you you start off playing as this yeah this um slightly older uh englishman and for the first well it's quite a while yeah. isn't it it's, uh, mm-hmm. depending on what you do it's a good chunk mm-hmm. um and in a twist that actually made me think of nothing other than the twist in heavy rain Aww. you find out <laughs> like two hours in that hang on he's not an assassin He's a Templar. <laughs> oh, I love that. I bit. loved it I too. Loved it. Yeah, I thought it was great. It was brilliant. <laughs> and, and that was the best use of achievements in a game yeah, ever because yeah. you get that half a second of, what, what did I just hear? And then up pops the achievement. How'd you like them apples? And I thought that was brilliant. It, made, it was, yeah, it was a perfect moment. And I loved it. Yeah. And I, well, and I, but then I thought, oh, well, great. We get to play some, we get to play as a, 
a bit more of as a Templar once you realise that. And yeah, you, you were right. He's a much more charismatic, much more interesting character. And that was the icing on the cake for his his uh, his introduction. But then, yeah. Then, then I mean, I, I realise it comes down to how you, how we understand the Animus works. Mm. Um, I mean, it's probably something that doesn't bear dwelling on too much. <laughs> because yeah. if you really think about this whole Animus situation and whether the character that you're journeying back to has free will or not, um, mm. it doesn't really make any sense at all. Um, but I was thinking surely, cause you've spent like the times even flash forward uh, on several occasions by the time you, uh, find this out about Kenway. Mm-hmm. So uh, does that happen when you're in the animus? Does it say, does it just go six yeah. months later? <laughs> It's like, really? That's weird. So did I not have to spend six months? Well, he just... must do. Otherwise, he would have been in the damn thing for like 30 odd years whilst he's waiting, you know. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, but it did make me think, it, would it, the way the Animus works, if you're, if you're not in the head of this person, do you not know their motives, their, mm. their thinking? Mm. Can That's, it be oh, revealed yeah. in a cutscene? Now I see what you're saying with the heavy rain thing. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. It's still it still was surprising to me on a, just a base level of storytelling. Like I just didn't see it coming, and uh, he puts the ring on him, and that you know this the evil music kicks in, <laughs> everything. I, I thought it was a fun <laughs> yeah, little no, fun, story, but, and I actually like but, really yeah. liked the the like a lot of people their complaints, and again not to get on the uh, perception thing, but their complaints is generally is that the opening of the game is the worst part. And it gets, it's okay. boring and slow. And I, I don't know. I really enjoyed the whole Kathan, Hatham, um storyline just uh, up, up until then. I thought he was really charismatic, like you said, and funny. And, and the whole buildup mm. of his relationship with um, Zio, I thought was nicely done. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, there's that moment where they go into the inn. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I really like these scenes together because she's on the right side of sarcastic right, towards yeah, him as well. Yeah. And then and she's got this quite antagonistic nature in him and, and kind of takes the mech a little bit. And and he and then it's just that scene where those soldiers insult him. Mm-hmm. And, and then, I, I, no, I, you know, I, I, what I, I liked the, the intro, the whole, right, even in, if you include in like to the point where sort of Connor is a, a sort of, you know, a 20-year-old man. Mm-hmm. All that stuff I thought was interesting to me because it felt like they they were taking a risk with yeah, this. Yeah, they they yeah. weren't afraid to sort of take their time yeah. and have a, this slow burn on this whole kind of character arc right through his childhood and showing all you know and all that kind of stuff and and it kind of I I don't know it worked for me mm-hmm. and uh, you know I, I I read a lot of the complaints towards Connor's character which. I'm not saying anybody's wrong in doing this, but my own perspective on this is actually, in many ways, I, I, I wouldn't have wanted another uh, Ezio, another wisecracker, mm. another womanizing kind of, you know, smart mouth. And this is a guy who who saw his mother burn, whose village was attacked, and he had this huge rage inside of him. And so him to be this kind of sullen. I wouldn't say sulky, but it's quite stoic character that he was like, it just made total sense to me. And, and I, I really appreciate the sort of just the, the sort of first five or six hours mm-hmm. of gameplay in terms of building all that up. you could empathize better with this uh, sullen man with a, with a, with a heartbreaking backstory than with the womanizing. <laughs> well, no, I mean like Ezio had his reasons. Yeah. I mean, obviously I he saw his, 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 but it was 
Like, I don't, I wouldn't have wanted another character. He would have had to have been quite different. And if you had another character that was a bit of a, a smart mouth on him and, and, and all that kind of stuff, and it, it would just, just, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have stood out to me in mm. the same way. And I, I, I felt that this, this, uh, the, the approach to Connor, you know, he was very serious. And, but yeah. I thought, well, yeah, he's on, a, he's, he is totally consumed by his thing for revenge and to, 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 you know, to go after the people that this went after, either killed his mother, mm. and it felt that that was a consuming rage for for the longest point, and then it it, it gets even better when he, he realizes, you know, Haytham's part of this, and Haytham is his father, and there's that stuff which is to me why I actually hold Assassin's Creed Three higher than any other game in the series to date. Mm is that this stuff to me was absolutely fascinating in terms of the character writing and the, the, the sort of the nature of these two sort of characters, how they intertwine and how they react to one another mm. within the game itself. Yeah. I, I think for me where, where Connor ends up uh, losing me is, is the actual just voice performance. Um, I didn't really think mm. that that guy, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. Watts. Noah something. Watts. Yeah. Noah Watts. <clears throat> I, I I kind of wish he just expressed a little bit more emotion in 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 most mm. scenes, and he it's, he just kind of has like a mm. flat performance for me for most of it. And I think the character was written to have a little bit more of that fury in him, or it felt to me like that mm. anyway. And 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 he didn't really pull that off for me. So yeah, Brian, what do you feel about Connor? Uh, I have a, a, a kind of a mixed opinion because I, I don't. He obviously he was le- he was less colorful than. Uh, than Ezio was in terms of personality, uh, but I understood his motivations and the reason why he, you know, Connor was the way he was and the the, the reaction he had. But I, I, it, there was almost a, you know, as time went on and you know his uh, involvement in the events of the of the game grew and he started rubbing shoulders with, you know, all these higher ups in the American uh, War of Independence. It just felt that, that at some point that something. That he, he that he as a character should have evolved a bit more and could have become a bit a bit more rounded. I understand an angry, moody teenager, but you know, mm. as he, as he's going on becoming more of a wise man, I didn't get the sense of progression in his character. Mm. So I think that was why. Um, I mean, you, you saw that over three games with Ezio, the way he, the, you know, his yeah. evolution as a character, um, and maybe that was a bit too much to ask for in one game. But mm. well, I think coming off of the back of the Ezio, Ezio story, it, it felt a little. Light, but yeah, I, I, I also kind of wonder if they had more plans for Connor. But after the reception of three, Perhaps. most people seem to not really dig Connor that much. So I kind of wonder if they <clears throat> had similar plans to flesh him out for longer series, but maybe canned it. Yeah, um, I guess I, I didn't have the same attachment to Ezio as, as a lot of people, um, because I'd only played in the one game mm. that was five years ago. I wasn't particularly in love with him as a character either at that stage. You know, I thought he was fine. Um, I'm one of those people. I'm quite happy with a with a silent protagonist. Uh, mm. So having a sullen um, charisma bypass patient protagonist is kind of much the same thing, really. Um, so I yeah, I certainly didn't uh, I didn't detest Connor. I think he, there was a slight whiff of the the cliche of the in inverted commas noble savage about him, mm. which mm-hmm. um, you know is a bit is a bit hackneyed to say the least, but. Um, the events, yeah, I mean, the, the events that go, are going on around him and his mission kind of carry him along. And the fact that he is, uh, you know, he's of, uh, you know, mixed race and, and he's got these this 
ancestry in both the assassins and uh, this Native American tribe is, you know, gives him kind of probably more uh, more justification for his wide set of skills and abilities, and you know, it opens up using uh you know tomahawks and stuff which i guess Ezio never had um but he's also got the assassin accoutrement of the you know the hidden blades and all that so as a as an avatar i think it made an a lot of sense but i think yeah i think that the performance is a little flat um and probably the writing as well um yeah mm. but it does yeah it doesn't it's not a killer for me because i've played as you know bigger idiots <laughs> <laughs> and still enjoyed the games yeah. uh, so there's three sort of um main areas in the game you got two uh two cities this time um boston and new york um they're quite similar uh, new york is bigger and has the um has the uh, the burnt section from the great fire um, I don't actually know what year that was in history. I assume it was after the Great Fire of London, judging by because it looked fairly recent in the 1700s when uh, when we were there, <laughs> as I like to think of it. Um, now we're not quite onto the technical aspects here, but um, it was uh, an issue for me. Now I think um, the the visual side of the engine. This is the uh, Anvil anvil plus or whatever engine mm. um anvil next, next that's what yeah. they call it um and i think in, in a lot of ways it, it's an impressive engine especially for last gen systems however um my experience of playing assassin's creed 3 on the playstation 3 was noticeably clunkier than assassin's creed 2 on the xbox 360 and now i realize mm. that's possibly partly because five years have gone by and since then i've played shadow of mordor on the ps4 which you know doesn't have the same struggles and issues um they added weather and wildlife in this uh in this version which looks you know it looks great the the, the pigs and the cats and the dogs and all that look they add a lot there's a lot of people on screen at times in this game um some of the weather looks really really nice i think um i think overall the visual side of this game it's pretty it's not it's not always spectacular but i think it looks nice but i think it's pushing particularly the PS3 to its limits at points and the frame rate really suffers at times. Mm. Um, and it's not something that I would all, you know, I would uh, hang whether a game lives or dies on, but in this case, it's, qu it's quite distracting at times and especially in busy combat sequences where mm. you can almost count the frames. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it was that it's way. an issue. It was that way back on release though, back in, uh, January 2013 yeah. when I played it it was yeah. noticeably a less stable robust product yeah. than than the Assassin's Creed 2 yeah, games yeah it was it was a it's one of the biggest factors for me and why I generally don't like Assassin's Creed 3 is that I it's so so buggy and even to even recently like I said I was playing the PC version and even mm. after all the patches and all that kind of stuff it's still like there's moments where I'm falling through the world it, when I'm just jumping really? on like a table, like that's all, all I was doing, jump through the world and fall and you restart the checkpoint and all types of uh, audio issues and just all types yeah, of clipping yeah. and stuff. And just, and uh, you know, most of the time I can ignore that kind of stuff, but when it, it happens so frequently in Assassin's Creed 3 that it just, it constantly took me out of it. And, and it, you know, like you were saying, combat sequences and chase sequences for me, which there's yeah. a, plenty of them in this game. Um, 
I often found myself, and this is also a problem with the controls, but I often found myself like running up walls when I'm running oh, straight ahead. Yeah. You know? but that, yeah, that, 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 that's definitely something that has hindered my enjoyment mm-hmm. played at the times. Series, uh, yeah. Well, from, I say that for yeah. the two games I've played, but, but it's still there, that occasional thing where you're at the, you're running, chasing someone, say through the woods mm-hmm. and you get slightly too near to a tree that isn't climbable because only certain trees are climbable. And <laughs> yeah. you do that thing where you run four foot in the air and then just drop backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing is, you wouldn't do that. Right. Now yeah. I understand that there's got to be a game in there. But like you can't just have it. This is the real balancing problem with these parkour games, third person in general, is that you need to have some game. It can't just be push forward and right. hold yeah. the X button. But when they give you really strict time limits and they mm-hmm. say that you can't leave this very narrow area or whatever and then make it that you have to be absolutely perfectly aligned with a door or a window to get through it in time and stuff like that is can be quite annoying apart from those technical issues and um and some far too often repeated voice samples for npcs <laughs> um i still get quite a kick out of just being in those environments which is what mm. we were talking about earlier just being in yeah. that fairly lavishly rendered uh you know, 18th century Boston and, and New York. I mean, I, I love the frontier. Um, I think they had some of the, the best looking trees I've seen in a yeah, long time. Waving, waving foliage and fairly. Yeah. And, and you know, you've got like what looked like um, elm trees, you know, with the the white yeah. bark and, and they just looked amazing. And yeah. And just the, the, the volume of wildlife in there and, and, you caves know, caves to explore. I love that. Yeah. Mm. I love caves. Mm. I mean, I, I think I, it's a stunning game. Mm. I really, I really, the frontier, especially, I think it's that first bit where you, where you uh, return as Connor when he's sort of come of age and you're up up high in the the mountains and there's a river running down below and that is, it was stunning to look at uh, and explore. I just I I just felt that it was as much as I like the story of the game as in I like the the period in history. I just felt it was the wrong setting for the for this game. Mm, yeah, I, I felt the you know a game that had that was you know uh written and created for uh uh you know at the urban sprawl mm-hmm. tall buildings big towers uh, you know there was none of that in <clears throat> boston and yeah. new york yeah. and the the frontier for me uh, uh hunting and and some other sort of random events aside it just it felt like a uh just, it was just like that you were running from one side of it to the other mm-hmm. that you wasn't actually there wasn't actually enough of to do there it was just a a place you traverse to get to to somewhere else i didn't i didn't mm. yeah you're speaking to somebody who did saying you didn't do much of the extra stuff i i, I would yeah. go the other way i would say there was yeah. too much to do if anything just a massive no, I mean, I've, checklist yeah. of stuff you, well i mean i've yeah. done all the hunting missions i've done all the the special hunting the you know the legendary beasts and all yeah. that kind of stuff and and yeah i never i mean that's why i spent more time in the frontier than anywhere else i thought okay. it's just um there's so much to do and find in there i will rephrase it to i didn't feel like there was stuff of substance to do that you wanted mm. to do in the well, environment as in stuff yeah. that would pro- progress the story stuff that it didn't feel integrated to the to the narrative very, yes i think that's something i wanted to bring up um there there is yeah there is a crazy amount of stuff to do in this game um there are umpteen homestead missions in which you can build up this entire sort of colony almost like um 
becomes like an Animal Crossing village or something, only more <laughs> functional because you've got uh, mills and, and ships and pubs and farms and all this sort of stuff. Um, you've got all these dozens of hunting challenges. Um, you've got liberation missions all through the town. You can attack forts. Um, you can recruit assassins and send them off. You can go on naval missions. This game has a ridiculous amount to do, I would say. Um, and, in t- you know, Jay's saying 70-odd hours, 80-something com- percent complete. Um, the issue, I suppose, is it's whether, yeah, that, that this I think this game lives or dies by whether you want to do that stuff mm-hmm. because ultimately mm-hmm. you don't need to do any of it. You don't have to do any of it. You don't even have to buy an upgrade for your sword or pistol to complete the game. Yeah. You don't, you, you can go through the story and never do a single side mission. I mean, it will teach you mm. how to do them all, sort of. But ultimately, it's whether you consider being in the world, being in the game, ticking off. Uh, it is a lot of ticking off lists. It's yeah. a lot of, yeah. you know, what people call busy work. And, you know, you can argue that any mission in any game is, quote, pointless because it's just a video game. You're not, you know, other mm. than enjoyment, you're not getting anything out of it. I think you know whether people like this game or not is how engaged they are with all that extra stuff mm-hmm. um because you know the story's there and there's all these characters and these events and and it's you know it's silly historical fantasy fun but in terms of like being a good sandbox open world game i think mm-hmm. um you have to engage with all that other stuff don't you otherwise yeah you're just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the story's long. I mean, the story, I mean, you still get probably 15, 10 to 15 hours if you just go mm-hmm. straight through it. But they put in a crazy amount of things to do. Yeah. Well, I didn't feel short change from, from, from the story aspects. Sure. I think, the, so the weird thing is that I, I didn't, I never achieved it, I don't think. Um, I haven't checked in a while, but I, I tried my hardest to get you know f- the full 1000 out of 1000 on assassin's right. creed 2 oh right because i really right. enjoyed yeah, it yeah. i love building I came up. really close on that one yeah uh, was it monterigiano I, I can't remember the name of his um the town mm. that he was yeah yeah uh, mm. that he was building up i, I love doing that i love that aspect to it so the homestead <laughs> thing really appealed um right. and, and i could i, I, I kind of got into that and i like that i thought there was some terrible signposting of missions there i missed a few of the mm. side missions there, which meant I couldn't complete the homestead because there was nothing saying, you know, go back here at this point in oh, really mm-hmm. uh, in this sequence. Uh, that comes and, down to the sloppiness again. Yeah, mm. and there was, you know, certain people, certain characters didn't appear at the right time, so 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 that um, I couldn't I couldn't hundred percent that if you like. And but then there were there were things in there. There was layers upon layers of stuff that the game just didn't explain. Like I could not get my head around the trading. And the crafting. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, This was one of the points I wanted to make is that the game doesn't, like I assume when I first started playing this because I hadn't played any Assassin's Creed for five years and I hadn't, and I'd missed out two two installments Mm -hmm. that I was just, it just wasn't explaining itself very well to me, somebody in that circumstance. Mm. Um, But there are, like it often, it will say, right, oh yeah, now you've got this access to ships. Okay, so you go into this menu and you do this, 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 and this, and there you go, Bob's your uncle, right, off you go. And that was about as about as de- deep as it got. And occasionally things would come back into the story. But stuff like the trading, the crafting, all that stuff is in there. And yeah, I agree. I, I didn't find it well explained, but I, I wanted somebody else to say it first in case I was being stupid. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, and I, I read up a little bit about it online, tried to get my head around it, just still couldn't. Couldn't fathom it and couldn't fathom the point of it. And as I say, I, I I'm not I'm not against 
you know, com- completionism for completionism's yeah. sake. I I, mm. I I see the appeal of it, and were there were not glitches in the way, I probably would have tried to hundred percent the homestead as I did in Assassin's Creed too. Um, uh, you know, I'm one of these crazy people that downloaded the Assassin's Creed Four app so I could send oh. ships on missions <laughs> I did it while too. I was on the right. train in the yeah. morning. I, so yeah. I, I see the appeal, the appeal of it, but it's just there was mm. just I felt that this it was overload basically. The the hunting stuff to me felt like it was it was lifted straight out of Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. You know, mm. you would skin animals and then trade the 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 um the pelts, pelts for and uh, the, the, the and stores the and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that stuff just felt like they somebody had played Red Dead and thought, yeah, well we can do this. <laughs> And they put that in as well, and it didn't necessarily sit out of sync with the game because of the setting. But you know, and and you you know, you had the hunting lodges, which were the things that I really really enjoyed that stuff. And you know, you had to kill X number of beasts, and then you would kind of get the legendary beast to you know, and then you'd have to do a different type of sort of setup for to hunt these down. You'd have to be at a certain point, and you'd have to use certain you know, you'd have to use the baits and stuff and. And track and I, I that yeah I kind of got into that stuff and I did find it quite a diversion. But I always feel like there's a danger when when people talk about this stuff and and they kind of you know uh, sort of yeah I mean I guess you can say there's no payoff in gameplay terms because by this point you don't need any money you don't need your house. Yeah. Mm. But you know as it's as uh, as I say it's kind of it's as pointless or not as anything else you do in a video game. It's if you get enjoyment from it if you like if you're that sort of person who wants to make sure you finished everything mm. and have the nicest looking lodge you can have and 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 this you know functioning virtual community of 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 people and your caravan trades and, and all that then you'll get some pleasure out of it and you know that i bet there are plenty of people out there who have 100 percented this game whether it's taken them 100 hours or or, or whatever um but if you're the sort of person who doesn't particularly just enjoy being in the frontier or being in you know 18th century boston new york then um once you've done the story then yeah it, it isn't integrated i mean it really that that's that's the key thing it none of this stuff is really integrated yeah. at all with the story because as i say i didn't even like talking about explaining things i didn't even understand for about 10 hours how you switched weapons how you went, you know, how you either had to go into a shop and select something you've <laughs> yeah. already bought or go back to the underground bit in the manor that you have to reopen every time and you've forgotten where it is. It's on that wall that you go in round the side and da 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 mm. and go up to the various shelves. Uh, as you play along, you're, you're unlocking all these, um, you know, things to look at, trophies basically, uh, you know, commemorating things that you've done. And again, it's there if you want to look at it. You know, people spent hours making this stuff and tying it all together. But for a lot of people, there will just be literally no appeal in going and looking at that stuff, let alone, you know, spending the hours it takes to... to yeah, but that, that applies to so many games, Absolutely. doesn't it? I mean, yeah. GTAs and stuff like yeah. that, you know. Um, something we haven't mentioned, of course, the game, this this series and, uh, and the, this genre of you know sandbox open world type adventures are renowned for their uh collect them up so although we we've been talking there about homestead missions and hunting missions and all that on top of that there's at least four kinds of collectible um so you've got chests um which have money and recipes in for the crafting that you may or may not do um feathers of course um 
floating about in trees and stuff. Uh, you can get those if you want. They can either they'll show up on the map in certain circumstances, or you can go and buy a map to tell you where all this stuff is. I mean, that's a reason to make money. I suppose you know you can say that the cycle is you make money <laughs> yeah. to get more stuff to make more to money sell to and then make some. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, pages of books are floating around in the air as well and there's all these trinkets that you can give to this guy to uh to unlock more naval missions so again like i am somebody who can get into a complete trance mm-hmm. of just going from map location to map location climbing up the tall tower synchronizing the animus area so you can see what's what going to the nearest thing collecting it i completely recognize that for some people that may just be and you know feel utterly futile but i can enjoy it i i, I oh, yeah you know yeah I've, I've, I've done all the chests all the feathers and all the trinkets oh. the only ones that i think i struggled with with the pages and that's because it's kind of like a chase yeah mission. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah 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 <laughs> Short for, one, for um yeah. for assassin's creed 4 i'm i think i'm at like 99 percent. like I've, I've gone through all over the entire map on that game and looking for all the stuff. And and this one, mm. I, I think it's a mixture of just, I didn't really enjoy not some the setting or having to actually play the game to do this stuff. Cause like I said, it's just, it was, everything was so buggy for me that all of this stuff involves you parkouring and running and climbing and precision yeah. and all this stuff. And when the game just for me felt like it had, no precision most of the time. Like I just didn't even bother with half of the stuff in this one. Yeah, I mean that's pretty damning. Uh, I guess you're you're not alone in feeling that, which is you know probably why I've heard so many sort of uh, sort of strong criticisms of this game. If if you're not if you're not enjoying the locomo- locomotion, then you're not going to do the collect ups. Right. Yeah. And if you're not doing the collect ups, then you've missed out on a huge chunk of content, mm-hmm. even if it isn't the most you know, vital content or whatever. Brian, you said you didn't start really getting into the collecting factor in this one. Had you done it on the previous games? Uh, no, I'd always given up on the collectathons. I think I said on a previous podcast that I um, I nearly had a breakdown while trying to get all 100 pigeons in Grand <laughs> Theft Auto 4. Is it 200 uh, pigeons? Is it 200? Oh, God. I, I better go back be. and finish it off. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, I just, uh, and so I, I get, uh, at that point, I was, um, I, I swore off uh, collect them up from, right. from that point onward so that uh, but then uh, Assassin's Creed 4 had the, the bits where you have to chase the sea shanties and they were you know like sort of mini uh, chase sequences which uh, they're, sometimes they're frustrating and they, and they don't work out but sometimes they're, they're quite well designed so mm. I was quite happy to do those because I like the different songs on the boat there was right. a yeah. there was a reward for it I exactly. guess that, that, that fed into it uh, that made the the, the, the the experience richer uh, so so no I'd, I'd, if there's a if there's not too many of them, I'll do it. But I thought the the treasure hunting stuff was actually really good in this because you went to brand new locations every mm. time, and you had, you know, whether it's like old mansions that you had to sort of find the the hidden room mm. and, and all that kind mm. of stuff. And and that, this was the only time you would ever visit these places. He's doing those missions. Mm, yeah. yeah. And you know, there was one where you got you're on a beach sort of area, and you have to hold off a load of wolves and stuff to look for the. Uh, to to you know to find out where the treasure was buried and stuff and and all that stuff I, I thought was really good partly because it, it added the, the you know you had the it was to do with the naval mm, stuff yeah I as did well, all those which, ones I did all those missions and collected all the trinkets mm. for that I, that was brilliant but sorry I interrupted no 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 it's fine yeah when when you start a game like this I always feel that there's this confusion as to what <clears> you should <throat> be doing should you be 
collecting everything in a very small area or pushing ahead with the story or what. And I think that's where um, the Assassin's Creed games have started to become a little bit more uh, of a less appealing prospect for me because, you know, Mm. in Assassin's Creed 2, a lot of that stuff, a lot of the collectibles were were drip fed in as the story progressed. And there was, you know, a reason that they were, they were put there, you know, when the the feathers, I think after his mother, uh, after she was in mourning for her, for the the death of Ezio's father, something like that, but it, it built up over time. So it never felt like you were, struggling to know what to do and what to prioritize and i think that was something that assassin's creed 3 didn't get quite right is that there was there were too many distractions to the point where i felt and i take your point that other people would see it as a wonderful playground of opportunity but for me i felt like i didn't know where i was meant to be going and so i just turned away uh, from it reminding me of the the arkham city conversation that we had where you know most people uh, on the podcast and most of our correspondents preferred the tightness of yeah. Arkham mm-hmm. Asylum but some people like Jay were just like well more stuff is I would agree with that for the most part but I do agree with what Brian was saying because sometimes you'd be doing something specific and then you would see something like a, like a page floating across the rooftops and you'd be like ah and then it's like yeah and, and so you're either trying to mentally make a note of where this was Mm. or you then switch out and start doing something else. And that stuff, I'm not a fan of. I prefer to have, you know, if you're on one mission, and I'm, I'm kind of a fan of the games that are, when you select a mission, it kind of removes all the other distractions until you complete yeah. the mission. And it's that thing where you want that when you're in the, like an open world and just not specific on your target. But sometimes, you you, you know, it, it, they didn't do that with this. And, and sometimes yeah. you would be passing stuff and... You're trying to do one thing and you see another, and it, was, uh, it is a distraction at that level. If you're like me, where you think, oh, I've got to get the damn page. You know? <laughs> it's just, mm. but you know. Um, sort of back to the general, uh, this comes somewhere between moving around and, uh, and combat is the whole uh, detection system. Um, now, it, it reminded me very much, and obviously th- these came the other way around, but having recently played Shadow, Shadow of Mordor, um, the detection in this uh, was very familiar. But again, I felt that the game didn't necessarily do a great job of explaining how to, um, how to get away, how to, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have to leave this area of influence, which keep, it keeps, sort of keeps resetting as you, get, um, as you get seen and seen again. And it took me, I, I, I understand it completely now, but it took me several hours of kind of thrashing about. I was never quite sure if I was going to end up facing unlimited um, guards and mercenaries and, and whatever. Um, but I do, I do quite like the... Um, you know, again, I like the theory of breaking the line of sight and um, and staying out of cover for long enough. But it's stuff again, really annoying stuff. Like you jump into a hail bay, and if it's decided that you, it was visible that you did that, it just <laughs> yeah, automatically you throws out. you back yeah, out of the. Yeah. yeah, it's like cheers for that. You, you're just com- <laughs> like completely wrestling control. I mean, have the by all means have the guards go up to it and go, that idiot's gone in this hail bay. <laughs> yeah. Um, we just saw him do it, but don't actually push me out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not for you to decide. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's frustrating on the gameplay part, and it just looks dumb. Like that, the, the yeah. whole uh, sequence of events. Like you're trying to stealthily yeah. hide, and then they just look over, and you just pop right out and just walk away. You know, it's just, but the, yeah. these are not these are not issues that are solely on three. These no, are issues no, that no, have been no, through no. the series. So, you know, yeah. I feel that in some ways we're kind of 
we're, we're, I wouldn't say nitpicking, mm. but these are a lot of these things that we're bringing up here are, 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 are symptomatic throughout all the games. Um, and I don't know. I feel that there's, there's a lot to be said about three that isn't sort of about broken mechanics mm. and isn't about sort of glitchy gameplay, but there's some really strong stuff within this, namely the narrative, which I think took risks and took some real bold choices in the way they chose to tell a story mm. and the characters mm. in which they do, which I think elevated this game for my opinion, in my opinion, over all the others in the series. Mm. But, um, and namely the way they sort of portrayed some of the villains, um, Mm. You know, particularly Haytham. Yeah, I, 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 that the relationship between Connor and Haytham was the thing that has, has really sort of cemented this game as to why I, I, I absolutely, I think it's a, a you know a great example of some really interesting character work as well. Not so much, maybe lesser so with with Connor, but mm. with Haytham and and their relationship, it was the stuff that I couldn't get enough of that. Mm. Every time they would sort of cross paths, and and the way that the story and the and the game kind of weaved in and out of them kind of helping each other. And you, you, all of the time, you're kind of, you're never quite sure where it was going to lead to. Mm-hmm. You know, was one going to side with the other? Was it? Get, and, and it was this thing where this was the first game where the Templars weren't played entirely as cackling as villains, evil yeah. villains. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's what kind of made me think that there is a really, inter- there's some interesting work going on within this series. And it's whether they, they're going to, so I, I guess to some extent they, they they still feels like they don't really know where to go with it. But mm. with this, it was like the Templars weren't played as evil for the first time. And 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 interesting with 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 this game, as with so many, you you it, it's interesting to have a, a villain who explains where they're coming from yeah. to a point where you can empathise with their perspective. And I thought that was really interesting. And he is a guy who's explaining why they're doing what they do. And it kind of made sense, and then it humanized that that character, mm-hmm. and you know, and and it was just really kind of, and there's you know the actor I can't remember the actor's name who played Haytham, but there's a really good performance there. Yeah, that's and, Adrian Howe or or mm, possibly. Yeah, I think <laughs> for me ultimately that's the most frustrating part about Assassin's Creed Three for me is that the story and the storytelling is. Really ambitious, I think. Um, yeah, and like mm. especially for the Assassin's Creed series, but just in general, like the whole, like that whole, it's like a fourth of the game is a setup of you introducing you to what eventually is the entire cast of villains, which mm. which they kind of like turn on their head once you become Connor and, and Charles Lee is like yeah. significantly more evil. But even yes, but but, yes. but that performance, I think for me, um, Hatham, I thought was great too. But Charles Lee was just in terms of comic book villain kind of character, like that guy was excellent. And I thought his, yeah. mm. um, the performance capture for all the pre-rendered cutscenes, most of all, mm. most of them I thought were actually really well done. It's just, for me, it's everything in between the cutscenes that, that threw it off that just kind of mires the game down for me. <laughs> but, but do like, I do think the characters were actually really well done. And like I said, and, and I think it's also ambitious of, a huge uh, studio like Ubisoft to make a, their main character a Native American. Um, I can't think of any other games besides like Infamous Second Son that has a Native American or a Prey that uh, Prey. yeah <laughs> that has a Native American main character. I thought that was really cool them to do, and I think they pulled it off pretty well. Other than yeah, like you said earlier about the the uh, what was the Native thing you said earlier, the kind of noble yeah savage. noble savage yeah yeah yeah. yeah. 
but yeah but just... yeah yeah i think there is interest in the story and yeah i mean the the production values on the generally on the cutscenes and the you know the the voice acting and the uh, facial models and all that is i think it's it's pretty high isn't it but um yeah the uh i mean uh, sort of related to um the overall uh the the occupation of boston and new york as it were is um and this reminded me a little of the bits in infamous where you're you're trying to um re- you know reduce the influence of of the antagonistic forces in areas you can do these liberation missions in different places as well um again many many on the map you have to i think you trigger them off by visiting speaking to the right person um and again it's yet another thing you can go around the map doing um generally it involves uh getting into a scrap um and uh, undermining uh the templar you know re- resistance in the area similarly you can take down their forts um uh and uh, ter- you know get those turned over to the other side um all that sort of thing um thing i did quite i did quite like this um although obviously it's played in a video game way very simplistically but the notoriety system again i didn't really understand it for the first few hours um but now it makes perfect sense um so you can either be incognito mm. um when you can you can blend completely with uh people if you stand next to them or whatever you can actually go into this sort of green state um as shown by an icon um but then as you do more and more antisocial actions such as stabbing people in the neck <laughs> um you uh, become more instantly spottable um to the point that even just walking in the vicinity of a guard they'll start to get wind of you or a dog might literally sniff you out um but you can then uh take your notoriety down i think i have a vague recollection there was something like this in assassin's yeah, creed 2 yeah it's, it's, it's been yeah. through the series yeah, right that's, from that's the what i kind of wonder yeah. if okay. that maybe that how you were saying you're struggling with it like i don't think i any of us really struggled because we right. had seen it for three years in a row at that point so yeah and i hadn't mm, seen yeah. it for five years yeah so um pulling down mm. posters and bribing nah. news people and, and all that sort of thing but um yeah well just as somebody who's only played two installments of this series i'm complimenting the series as a yeah. whole for for that it's a neat idea quite interesting idea yeah although i didn't couldn't work out how to what i was supposed to do that you can go into the um printing presses can't you mm. the, the the printing offices and do something there to get your name out of the papers but i couldn't work out what you're supposed to actually do in there it was always seemed easier just to go to a uh you know a, 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 a street corner and find mm. a, a newspaper seller you can also can you throw coins at the town crier or something i don't know yeah, you can bribe yeah. them. Uh, you right. can you can throw coins usually to. I mean, certainly in in previous mm. games, you would throw coins on the ground to sort of create okay, a crowd yeah. and yeah, distraction yeah, yeah. And, and, and obstacles for chasing guards and stuff. You which can was, start a riot and mm. um, things like that. Oh God! And yeah, the one thing I was talking about the repetitive voice samples earlier, but those creepy <laughs> kids they're everywhere in this game. They make the same noise, that creepy well, noise. It's quite interesting with the voice work though, because uh, I think I was impressed with three. The level of different regional yeah. accents they've got. You know, there was, I heard yes, uh, yeah. a northern accent, I heard Welsh, mm-hmm. Scottish. Irish, Scottish, Welsh. Yeah, and, and, and all these kind of different, and you kind of think that's, and I like the fact that they thought about this in terms of what kind of accents mm-hmm. would these Dutch people and have. Canadian as yeah. well, I think. Yeah. 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 yeah, and it was, you know, they put that in, and that stuff, I mean, obviously it does repeat. Uh, you know, a considerable amount, but it's like, but I don't know, you know, I mean, it's like, uh, 
there's, there's a certain quirk with that as I did with back in with Assassin's Creed 2 you know you, you would find yourself going assassino <laughs> just randomly just because you'd yeah. heard it so many times mm. you know <laughs> it's just I don't know it's yeah yeah we saw a lot we've seen lots of obviously uh, our uh, ancestors and Sean's I assume you were you're from Irish yeah. <laughs> Irish stock yeah. with a, with a name like that, yeah, um, yeah. It's I mean it's well, it's one of those things, isn't it? Nobody knows for absolute sure what everyone sounded like at that point sure, because yeah. we didn't have audio recording. But obviously, people who were just over from uh, from Europe or whatever would have maintained their accents, and it took took quite a long time and a lot of um, mishmashing for people to end up with the crazy accents mm. they've got there now. Yeah, and and converse mm. to that, it's also um, kind of cool that they have the Native Americans speaking their native tongue mm. when in their in their sections you know yeah. whereas most games and movies and tv and all kind of visual media they usually have you know a historical setting but they're speaking english and it's just you know a normal thing but it's it's mm. nice of them to kind of stay truthful to that uh people yes and uh and connor's mum already speaks right. english mm-hmm. and, and kind of uh and she mocks him for it <laughs> uh, te- <laughs> mocks, yeah mocks hatham for for assuming she doesn't which is which was cool um yeah we should talk a little about the sea combat because this was the f- oh. this was the first time wasn't mm. it in the, yes. in the series yeah mm. um i really enjoyed yeah. this it i was, love this bit Loved it's it. simple mm-hmm. it's, it's really yeah. quite simple but it's really well done i think um yeah Go ahead. i when when the game came out when i first started playing it and i realized it was naval missions i don't know why but i was full of yeah. dread <laughs> when it came to yeah. them yeah. yeah i had this 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 picture of maddening kind of rts element or yeah. something <laughs> and it was going to be i have to learn all this stuff or i'm gonna i'm not going to be able to progress until i beat it and then i played it and it was like oh my word give me a whole game based <laughs> yeah. around this they did they yeah kind of yeah yeah you were right to be um, apprehensive though because they, they, the the experiment with tower defense yeah, and revelations yeah. didn't mm. exactly um work out very well did it but right. no, you no. Know, that was just you know I, I knew that you you got the boat in the game and i was just you know going through sequences just hoping that ship. was the one <laughs> sorry yeah that i was hoping that was the one that's the one when we, we you're going to get access to the ship that you're going to get to to take it out and to to, to see it because that was the talking point in a lot of the reviews uh was mm. was the was the naval combat and it was and it was great and as you say yeah give me a full game of it and and they did <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think um, the the actual sort of the scenario is kind of absurd, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. This, oh, this yeah. half English, half Native American guy dressed up in his outfit on a ship. Um, you know, he's no, obviously... it's in his blood. It's in his blood. Look at his relatives, <laughs> his ancestors. <Yeah. laughs> he's obviously not the best choice, but. Um, yeah, it's just like the boat. The, they managed to strip down this really complicated thing mm. to just basically four controls uh yeah. steering how far you want your sail out and guns and and uh, mm-hmm. cannon um the only issue is when you have to go into a menu and change the type of um uh cannon to the ones that hack the mast off but you only have to do that right. once yeah. um in the main story um but i just thought it looked mm-hmm. really cool you know mm. it um the the uh, you're never in doubt as to even even when you've shot with the cannon, a long range shot, um, or sorry, the deck gun type thing, mm. you can still see it hit from a long way off. Um, the sound effects are tremendous. Mm-hmm. You know, the cannons are really loud. Actually, that goes for all the guns and explosions in the game. They all sound cracking. Um, 
but it's even stuff like if there's a swell of water mm-hmm. between you and the boat, the ca- the cannonballs will hit yeah. the wave. Yeah. They won't go. Ju- they won't just magically appear on the boat. And stuff like um, exposing the the uh, fuel or gunpowder kegs, and then mm. targeting those with the with the deck gun and and taking out the whole ship. Yeah, just <laughs> I thought that was so excellent that I've up until this point I've had virtually no desire to play. Assassin's Creed 4 mm. Black Flag but now I do now yeah. I do as much mm. as anything for those bits because I imagine they're, they look I, I remember seeing them at Eurogamer and thinking they look really nice but again I was thinking oh I bet they control like a pig <laughs> I bet it's no fun steering a big ship but they, they're pretty they're pretty yeah. nippy aren't they those, uh, those yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how like um, the gunplay on ground is like they went to painstaking detail of b- making it as realistic as possible. You, you shoot one bullet, you have to sit <laughs> yeah. there and you know do all Takes, the cleaning the yeah. and everything. And then how and how the yeah. naval combat is so gamey. And like I kind of wonder if that's what makes yeah, it more yeah. fun. Like I barely ever use the guns on ground, but the they they you know I doubt combat and on a ship is that quick. <laughs> so yeah, no. made it a no, lot more no, fun. I'm sure, it isn't. Yeah, I was expecting the cannons to take, you know, minutes right, to reload, yeah, not seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm actually quite, because I haven't done any of the extra naval missions simply through lack of time. And I'm actually quite keen now to go and, because you can power up your boat, mm-hmm. your ship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah. can, you can, because yeah. I, I played the whole game with whatever cannons you get in that <laughs> first mission. But I imagine you can make those missions a lot easier yep. for yourself. You can. Oh yeah, you the can. grape shot and, and stuff like that. You get the one with the the chain shot, which is the the two cannonballs with the chain between, and basically yeah. takes the mass down. And it's just like, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm I'm a one for the incendiary shot. The um, I can't remember what the actual term is, but it's basically a flaming cannonball. And oh, that that's just ah. Oh. I mean, the, yeah, the ship got fully leveled up. I mean, the Aquila, it's the you know, yeah. battering ram and everything, <laughs> and it was like strength and hull, and it was just like yeah, I, I, it was. I mean, you say about the sound effects, it's just that's those moments where you just you just sailing, and you can hear the creaking of the the you know the rigging and and all that kind of stuff. I was mm. like, oh man, this is like really impressive. Like, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's one thing that could actually, you know, tempt me to go back into the game, do you know, do some more mm. stuff as well as synchronizing those last few towers and whatever. Um, I could imagine actually undertaking those naval missions, which I imagine there's several hours worth of gameplay in there. Um, actually, taking you know, doing the list of of yeah. uh, of, of various you know power ups and and questing for treasure and all that sort of thing. But again, I suppose this comes back to our our, our issue that there's no payoff yeah. for this stuff really because I've already done the story. So yeah, but you know yeah. it's fun. <laughs> but it's but, fun exactly, and that's yeah, what and and, and there's you know they're, they're quite varied as well. I mean, some take place in daylight, some are at night. One's yeah. in a storm, which is just insane at times, you mm. know. And there's the one with he's like a huge naval battle with other ships. And, you know, you've got sort of like ships as you drive, you know, you're going past them, you see these burning, sinking rigs and, and, and stuff. And, and yeah, and, and, you know, you're seeing the cannon shot through the cloud, through the sort of gun smoke and stuff. And it's just oh, yeah, pretty impressive, you know. And as if there weren't enough to do about all the other things we've talked about, you can even play some Nine Men's Morris <laughs> or a selection of other uh, oldie timey uh, tabletop analog style games in digital form. Uh one of them I could uh, I won straight away because it seemed really easy, but some of them not so much. Um, but again, 
um yeah there's it's it's one of those things there's there's no real reason for them to be there but it adds flavor and there is a of course a trophy attached to uh winning one game of each type i think it is mm. or something like that but again you sort with stuff like that you end up thinking okay so i know it's you know it's divided up developments divided up into different you know compartments and and whatever but instead of adding shove eight knee in or whatever it is you could you know couldn't you put that time and effort into you know polishing, maybe polishing yeah. one of the glitchy things a bit better yeah. or something i don't know i realize that's just yeah the logistics aren't that simple but so after you finish the main story um which is yeah the the line of retribution you'd expect and we've we've talked about desmond's uh fate he doesn't become jesus <laughs> He saves the world. Um, there, you can go back into the world straight away, of course, um, and uh, never come out the animus again. There isn't. There's a few epilogue missions which you just quickly grab, and they're barely interactive, and you get an extra trophy for that for some reason, which is weird. But then, uh, at some point, you get told about uh, you get a communication from an Akka, a sort of cock- Cockney Akka, um, who starts telling you about seeking these uh, pivots out, which enable you to. Effectively, you're hacking the animus. Now, as I understand it, um, Jay was saying before recording that these are quite an effort. Um, but I also understand that you, if you do go through this, you end up with some pretty fun uh, modifications to the game. I wouldn't know. <laughs> oh. I honestly don't know. I mean, it was just, I guess it's just this weird thing where you've got to kind of triangulate the position of these things and you've got to you've mm. you know you've obviously got to get to three points and lay these uh things down to to find the the, the pivot or whatever and i think i've done it to about one or two and that's it and it felt purely chance based like i i didn't i've, I've still yet to sort of get my head around it's probably quite a simple mechanic i guess mm. if i actually sat down and tried to work it out i'd probably be like well why is it taking me so long but it, it, it was just at this point, I kind of drew the line because it, in a way, it's the same. I don't know if it's the same thing I have with the DLC, and it's just that it felt kind of like it was pulling me out of the world mm-hmm. that I was in, and I just couldn't be really bothered with that stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, the I mean, for for going through the uh, the pivot finding, um, you can unlock uh, normal cheats such as invincibility mm-hmm. and infinite ammo, um, but you can also uh, switch the seasons of the game okay. around change the weather um day and night you can also uh have it so that after every time you kill anyone you get a thunder uh, <laughs> clap and a str- and a lightning strike so that could oh be God, that'll doing. be horrendous <laughs> but um <laughs> but it, actually saying that about the seasons i gotta say that that moment the, the the point where you you're in the woods and it's snowing that stuff was really amazing to behold at times like the whole kind of snowy landscape stuff looked amazing Naturally, uh, we also had a multiplayer uh, component. Now, I remember when Brotherhood came out um, that although people didn't tend to play this for very long, when they did play it, they said they had a brilliant time with it. Um, So by this stage, we'd obviously had the Revelations multiplayer, which I think people played less and for less time, by and large. Um, I don't remember anyone saying they were playing this at all. Mm. No, no, I always no, give it a I've, couple of goes. Yeah, yes, it never lasts more than a, a day or same two. Same here. It's it's a really cool idea. The whole cat and mouse um, 
kind of aspect to it. And I've 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 dealt I've delved into it a little more on uh, Black Flag, but um, yeah, once I finished the story of Assassin's Creed Three, I was pretty much done with the title as a whole. So there was a sister game to Assassin's Creed Three, uh, subtitled Liberation. I say a sister game because <laughs> it stars a female protagonist. So, um, so this was for the PS Vita, uh, came out alongside Assassin's Creed 3, but then uh, later arrived on 360, PS3 and PC for download in January of 2014. So I guess it's still there. So this was by Ubisoft Sophia and uh, Ubisoft, I should be saying, Ubisoft <laughs> Sophia and Ubisoft Milan. Um, and the director on this was legendary uh, English games designer Julian Gollop, the man behind Rebel Star, XCOM, Chaos and things like that. Wow. Uh, this didn't, yeah, um, I, I guess because he did the 3DS uh, Tom Clancy uh, strategy game, the turn-based one, with them. Um, so I hmm. guess he works with them. Um, this received considerably uh, more tepid reviews <coughs> than Assassin's Creed 3. Now, as much as the perception may be that people hate Assassin's Creed 3, and that is a completely sweeping statement, um, that... Liberation was just greeted with a bit of a. Hmm, um, did any of us? Yeah, play it? I was day one. <laughs> um, yeah, because right. I, you know, Vita was struggling at the time. So it's arguable that it still is, but uh, for big games, and this was, you know, this was a big deal. It was a big Assassin's Creed full AAA experience on the handheld, you know, and um, so I was there day one, and I, I, I couldn't finish it. Um, it was yeah. yeah. I I liked Aveline a lot. She was actually a really interesting character. And again, like yeah. kudos to Ubisoft for doing something as bold as like you know yeah. you have a black female slave as your main character. Like that's pretty ballsy. And there's a real lack of uh, women in in the uh, in Assassin's Creed Three as mm-hmm. well. I would say overall. I mean there are there are some, but they 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 pop in yeah. and out. They die. They're they're bar women. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like. Uh, there's the odd, there's the odd strong female character. So it was, yeah, it was a, yeah, positive step. Yeah, in that and, but it, it just the story was kind of tough to pay attention to, and it was again really buggy. Um, and and it was a little more forgivable because you're on this, you know, it's a handheld device, and they're trying to squeeze in this big giant open world. And similar, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah. It, but it just it, again, it constantly took you out. And for some reason, like. The most buggy part was the audio. It sounded like it was recorded on like a phone or something. It was it was really distractingly it's bad. Compressed. Yeah, really compressed. Um, mm. So I never did end up finishing it, but it was nice that they gave it a shot at least. That's a shame. What was the uh, animus justification? There what wasn't was one. It's uh, it was just it like started off like you. Uh, it, it like the opening credits said like Abstergo presents, and it was just like you were basically in the game. Like they didn't even bother <laughs> with a. <laughs> outside yeah story. that's something exactly. that's carried on with black yeah, flag though unity. isn't it the, yeah. the sort of fourth wall breaking sort of element mm. to it but <laughs> yeah they've totally gotten rid of all that extra fascinating stuff. okay well i imagine it's a game that you know for fanatics it'll probably be part of the sure. collection i expect it'll turn up in steam sales in for, for very little money and probably yeah, psn and 360 sales as well but yeah it doesn't seem to be so highly recommended either by you or uh or the critical mm. community at large. Speaking of which, the community at canarince.com slash forum have uh, been in communication about Assassin's Creed 3. Uh, this first one is via email. 
Ben McSkelly mailed in as soon as we announced this podcast that desperate he was to talk about Assassin's Creed and to tell us that this game irritated me, even as a fan of the previous games. The series always had a tendency to block access to the better mechanics for the early game, but this instalment was far worse. The trademark assassinations were drip-fed to the player, replaced with tedious mini-games, rural exploration and large battles. In many missions I found myself asking, why would anyone think this is a fun thing to force on me, with any deviation from the correct path resulting in failure? The fighting in the series, although smooth, quickly becomes repetitive. Hence, the focus on battles in 3 was a poor choice. It felt like I spent hours waiting to counter large groups of soldiers. I'm not sure the small, low-rise cities were a great choice. It robbed the player of the change to explore a large city with beautiful architecture and verticality, replacing it with linear paths through trees. The historical setting was underutilised too. Ubisoft could have said interesting things about the nature of revolution, racism and religious intolerance fledging in fledgling America. Instead, we got caricature English villains and the charismatic Ezio was replaced by a protagonist whose name escapes me. That says a lot. Ben McSkelly echoing the thoughts of others, I'm sure. Ben Blaster, indeed. Assassin's Creed 3 was the getting off point in the series for me. I'd greatly enjoyed Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood, so an Assassin's Creed game set during one of my favourite periods in history seemed right up my alley. However, I couldn't even finish the game. After nearly 10 hours of game time, I was still running through the forest as a teenage boy following trails of deer poo. It certainly wasn't the rip-roaring Assassin's Creed take I'd been expecting. The multitude of new mechanics introduced in this game suggested to me that the third entry into Assassin's Creed series was trying its hardest to distract from the fact that there was very little substantial content. Yes, Assassin's Creed 3 proved this was the point in the series where the mechanics could no longer outweigh the lack of decent narrative, and I haven't returned to the series since. <clears throat> well, I think 10 hours is a long time to still be a teenage um Connor, but then I suppose maybe if you decided to do everything that you could yeah. do in the uh, opening section, maybe that would drag it down somewhat. I think, I mean, that that might, when it comes down to it, also be another you know element to how much people enjoyed it or not is to is to sort of what order they tackle mm. things. Um, I think that can make or break a an open world game. I mean, it certainly while it didn't break it for me, I had a different experience with Shadow of Mordor to many because I did so many side quests before I did any story quests that it was too easy. Mm. That um, you know, that I was uh, and I missed out on this this famous boss fight with your nemesis because I'd already controlled everyone <laughs> in the game. I mean, the, I love the fact that the game allowed me that much freedom, but because I'd played it in a certain way, it meant that I lost some of the challenge and some of the mm. tension and some of the dramatic points and um maybe this is another case yeah. where that could be relevant i don't know i do think it was a bit of a slight narrative misstep when uh, i like the hatham bit and i didn't mind that taking its time but then you know it builds up to that moment that revelation and then you know sending you back to being a mm -hmm. yeah a, a young boy and it feeling again like you know uh, a, a tutorial yeah. Yeah. section mm. again i think that was just you know, I understand why they did it story-wise, but it just it felt it felt like uh, a step too far. I think they could they could have kept the momentum going, and I think a lot more uh, people would have had a lot more positive experience coming out of that. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting thought. A new contributor, Octavius seventeen oh one. 
says, having immensely enjoyed the Ezio trilogy, AC3 seemed a bit disappointing in terms of its central character and overall plot, which seemed rather too preoccupied at times with telling the story of the American Revolution, the details of which really seemed to me to get in the way of the game itself rather than adding to any historical context to it. Compared to earlier and later games in the series, there also seemed to be more of a disconnect between the various gameplay systems, symptomatic perhaps of the fragmented nature of its development across the huge Ubisoft empire. On the plus side, I did enjoy the twist partway at the end of the initial chapters, and the central gameplay remained entertaining, with the wilderness areas being fun to navigate around. And of course, the naval sections were great fun, if sadly rather short-lived. Unless you probably mm. did all the side extra ones, I guess. Unless he did all of those and still felt they were short-lived. Finally, we hear from uh, our most positive Assassin's Creed 3 correspondent. It is Electric Crocosaurus. He says, I've always enjoyed the AC game's ability to plant you face first into a unique period of history. So while the American Revolution is fairly recent history, I was still unfamiliar with the details find the story engaging. Haytham allowed you to play as a character with more gravitas than had been seen so far in the series, and although it takes some time to get going, I enjoyed the slow burn of Connor's introduction. Sometimes it's nice to relax and smell the deer piss. My theory for why so many people took against AC3 is a simple one. Achievements. While feature bloat was a problem for AC revelations, AC3 took this to extremes, with features like crafting that were underdeveloped and dull. Yet, if you wanted to get those pesky achievements, you had to complete everything in the game, forcing you to go through hours of tedious fetch quests. As great as the scenery was, even I lost my patience with collecting almanac details or glitches. As for the character Connor, there shouldn't be a problem in principle with dour lead characters, provided they are written well. While Ubisoft were clearly aiming for a Daniel Day-Lewis in the last of their Mohicans type vibe, the failures of their writing staff just left them with a damp squib. But these elements shouldn't take away from everything the game gets right. A coherent and vivid historical setting, exciting action set pieces and the ability to grab someone and use them as a shield against a firing line. Maybe it's because I can still remember the flat 2D sprites of the 8-bit era, but I play games like AC3 and I'm amazed at just how far our hobby has come in barely 20 years. I can certainly empathise with that yeah, last point. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we're all, we're all veterans, but, you know... it. I do get that thing where even sometimes when a game is, you know, you, you feel like it's not as much as it could be. It's it's disappointing. I, I'd find it really hard to just, you know, sum up a game like Assassin's Creed 3 and just go, man, it's rubbish. <laughs> yeah. Rubbish. Because <laughs> clearly so many people have put so many yeah. hours into 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 trying to make this game. And, and yeah, you know, there are they may have made wrong decisions and there aren't things that, you know, there are things that don't work so well. But... There's, yeah, not bench. I mean, your own personal benchmark rises constantly with mm, this hobby. I mean, mm. you know, you you showed me Assassin's Creed like ten years ago. I mean, Assassin's Creed three ten years ago. Oh, my mind <laughs> would have blown on the spot, you know. Yeah. And yet now we're kind of we're, we're really unbelievably spoiled for choice with what we we can mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. And I think yeah, it definitely has, you know. I think maybe uh, again, if that perception of Assassin's Creed Three being uh, a disappointment to many, and, and our three-word reviews just coming up will will testify to this, then mostly negative. <clears throat> um, it may be that battle for time element 
because you know when you when you put out a game that is you know potentially a hundred hours long, which which this is, and let, you know unless you're just planning on rattling through the story in fifteen hours, um, you are constantly conscious. I know I am of the other games I mm-hmm. could be playing. You know, especially as you know gamers have got into this age bracket of 30 to 40 something with disposable income but not so much disposable time it's like you've got all these great games and if a game is failing in certain certain areas that are that are putting you off then it's very easy to cast it aside as as a as a failed experiment or whatever or maybe for many people this game is just really boring um there is that possibility of course let's hear from some of those people now <laughs> uh, our three word reviews uh, to twitter at Kana Rince. Starting with Brian. Uh, Pytrick says, boring main character. Johan Malmgren fails to engage. Hands in the jam, a great setting wasted. Sonic Alpha says, killed the franchise. Bad Bonobo says, irrelevant, no pirates. Alan Wilkinson, boring, dull, tedious. A bit of Ritz asks, what just happened? Synchronous Gamer says, bloody redcoats. And the bandana says, never not fun. Huh. There you go. Always save the most positive till last. Uh, the only positive one in this case, possibly. Not sure about synchronous gamers, but um, yeah. Boring, fails to engage, setting wasted, killed the franchise, irrelevant, boring, dull, tedious. So those are the opinions of our three-word reviewers. But how shall we summarize? Once again, I turn to Brian Tarrant. Well, I will say that it doesn't fail to engage. I think the problem is that it fails to keep that engagement for the for the running mm. time. It starts strong, uh, it, and it feels fresh. It feels new, and it it feels like a worthy numbered sequel, uh, given that they'd had the the two sort of sub sequels to Assassin's Creed Two before that. So, uh, you, you know, I went into the game possibly burnt out on the series, but the the promise of a, of a new world to explore, a new setting, a, a different period in history, an area, a period in history that I didn't know much about, all drew me in. And you know, there's lots to there's lots to say. And I think Jay, you said it earlier. You said it. You said it best when you were talking about the 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 uh, the sort of nuance to the bad guys in this in this game, and how they put a bit more flesh on the Templar bone so it wasn't quite as black and white as it had been in, in previous games. And that that is that is very, uh, that was an important development, I think, for the series. But I feel that they just kind of, they squandered the opportunities that they had uh, to sort of follow through with that and to make a strong narrative-led game. And they sort of bogged it down in side quests and uh, collectathons and, you know, all types of, activities that you know i understand that for some people they they hold a pill but just 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 not for me uh, and so when i was done with the with the gameplay and cherry picked the bits i wanted to you know the, the naval missions particularly I, I was done with the game and and it it did leave a sour taste in the mouth not to say that i didn't go back i did return for assassin's creed 4 i'm a sucker for the mm. for the promise yeah. of a new world to explore and do it all again and and if you read my review on cane and rinse you'll find that i thought similarly about that game towards the end i think right i think there's 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 so much that ubisoft can do with the assassin's creed franchise but i think they kind of it's one of those uh series that, that needs to go back to the drawing board and i think assassin's creed 3 was the start of that 
where it started to get confused about what it was and what it wanted to be. If you, we didn't talk about the stealth aspects at all about the game, but they were, they felt, uh, it, it felt to me like this was the point where the game started to become much more of an action mm. game rather than a stealth game. It was never, it was never a splinter cell. It was never, uh, you know, dishonored level of stealth, but it, it shed the pretense that it was going after that sort of uh, style of gameplay. So, yeah, I mean, if if you like exploring the world that that these designers create, and they do create great worlds, then it's it's a game that's worth picking up and playing. But it's for me, it's it's symptomatic of what started to go wrong with Assassin's Creed and why uh, the annual release cycle is probably not such a a good thing for for games of such sweeping ambition. Really, every now and then they need a they need a reset and a recheck and and a start again. Yeah, I don't think too many would argue with that. Um, so, yeah, I do have this slightly different perspective because I hadn't burned out on Assassin's Creed games. Um, as I've said before, this was my second Assassin's Creed and there was a gap of four or five years between this and my previous one. Obviously, in the meantime, I've played a lot of other open world, sandboxy shenanigans, games, infamouses and Shadow of Mordor and various others, Grand Theft Auto maybe, uh, things like that, even Saints Row. But um, I do, you know, I can get into, I am one of those people who can definitely just get into the vibe of being in a virtual world and running across the map. And even if the things I'm being asked to do aren't tremendously uh deep complex uh innovative in any way you know what whatever it is um i can certainly get a kick out of that i you know i also like a lot of really you know gameplay heavy games that require you know skill and reflexes and reaction and and that's not the experience i get out of these but it's something more more like a more like a theme park ride i suppose um coming to assassin's creed 3 and playing it in 2015 um, on a last gen console, um, I was initially very much struck by how glitchy it was. People, textures, shadows popping in and out, weird things happening. Uh, the game putting me in strange places, starting me in inconvenient locations and all sorts of oddnesses and just a general lack of polish. Um, the frame rate is an is an issue for me in that it actually is distractingly poor which is it has to be quite bad for for that to be the case for me because i'm not hypersensitive as much as i like running things in in 60 frames i'm not hypersensitive to it um but here it it becomes a factor um all these things combined with the fact that the game throws things at you or drip feeds them probably more like over a very long period of time but doesn't fully explain any of them and doesn't come back to them for a long time so you've forgotten anything about them often by the time next time you need to use them or you want to um even on the main story there's some quite dull and frustrating missions um, ludicrous chase missions and things although i believe one of the worst offenders was um added that it didn't have checkpoints in the original release but they patched since patched that in to make that less onerous that may have even been the um charles lee one i'm not sure um i find uh the controls to be quite spongy and temperamental um the combat occasionally looks thrilling and occasionally feels thrilling but still has a sticky and staccato uh note to it 
Um, the music did absolutely nothing for hmm. me. <laughs> the, 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 the score I found deeply uninspiring. Um, some of, maybe some of the wilderness music, um, the frontier music, uh, the more sort of ethnic sounding stuff was quite pleasant, but the action stuff just sounded like utterly generic Hollywood action movie hmm. music. Uh, and those repetitive NPC voices also conspired to drag me out of the game. But for all that negative stuff, I do enjoy being in the world. I enjoyed being in this uh, theme park ride, this this uh, mock-up of uh, America in, in this period. Um, it's a big and pretty world with tons to do if you want to do it. Um, playing out, there's this grand costume drama of historical fun with some good performances. Um, the naval warfare is really good fun and I want to do more of it. I actually want to go back and play more of that. Um, I appreciate the game's liberal sensibilities it's basically it's leftist manifesto and um and yeah i think it is hugely ambitious and i I suspect that a lot of the issues that we've talked about are to do with development constraints of time more than anything probably almost certainly not money but almost certainly time because of the annualization of the franchise um but yeah basically i didn't know whether i'd like this game or not going into it it's got a bunch of problems but basically i like it sean uh well Converse to both you and Brian, um, I had played all the games and I hadn't burnt out on the series uh, to Assassin's Creed 3. Mm. I was I was psyched for it, man. Day one, especially taking place in America, you know, it's just it was, everything was appealing about it to me. And um, as I said, the intro, uh, all this Hatham stuff was uh, really fun for me. I enjoyed it, most of it. And um, then once Connor took over, I was still kind of into the story but it was just getting a little more dull as it went along and a little more um the characters the villains got a little more cartoony uh more for my liking but not so much hate them but the other cast of characters and um Mm. and so while i i appreciate i like sincerely appreciate the ambition that they had going into the story uh at least for the inside the animus stuff not so much the outside the animus stuff um it's just for me unfortunately all the gameplay um was just so broken and that's not going to be the same situation for everybody of course you know somebody might play the game with zero bugs but it's like every time i played it on two different platforms it's just such a broken experience and such an unpolished experience that it just totally ruined the game for me and it didn't kill the franchise for me, in my opinion, um, like that three-word you said, because I went back to four, and I absolutely mm. loved four. Like, four is one of my favorite games of the last couple of years, and um, mm. it's just, man, three is just a, a black mark in the series for me, and unfortunately, my least favorite. That's strong, huh? You, you, you sort of kept that quite quiet. I guess. I think throughout the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I don't know. It's... It, I well, we didn't really talk about the other games so much. So I like I loved all of the other games, and so to, I'm not right. saying like Assassin's Creed Three is an awful game or anything. It's just um, it's yeah, they cast a shadow yeah, over it, and it was just ultimately just a disappointment for me. And I, it was it was such a yeah. bummer because it was one of my favorite franchises, and it's you know it's got it's got a black sheep yeah. in there now. You and many yeah. others. You and many others on, on, on all those scores, mm. I feel. But let us finish, as is customary for Kane and Rince, with what I believe will be our most positive summation. Well, I did enjoy it um, quite a lot, obviously. <laughs> 71 hours spent in it. So, And I found it for, I don't know, like to me it was 
unlike Sean, to me, this was the high point of the series at that point. Um, partly, I guess, just to, to, to the things that I've said, you know, the evocative setting, the, the interesting sort of character dynamics. And, well, that's that's really it, I guess. I mean... You know, I'm not. It's not without its flaws, and it's not without its issues. But the a lot of the issues that I have with the Assassins, this particular Assassin's Creed games, are, are issues that I've had throughout the series. I think Ubisoft have never had a clear vision on where they were going with it, and I think that the the, the sort of external narrative stuff with the Abstergo thing is confusing at best. And I think it's stuff that they really need to get a clear vision on where they're going to take the franchise. And it doesn't it, from as, as I understand it, with the likes of Black Flag, which goes back in time, and then Rogue and Unity, and you know, and what's the other one that, that's due out? So you know, it just <laughs> yeah. feels like it is a, a huge ball mm. of confusion within the Assassin's Creed story, and it didn't need to be. Um, and and and, and as, as as you guys have already alluded to, maybe the annual franchise is not the best way to go with this because it's not actually yeah. helping at this stage. It's just getting more and more kind of muddied every time you release a game, you know. And to some extent, you could argue that the quality of the games is is diminishing to a point with you know quite fractured, buggy release releases and all the rest of it. But you know, there are issues that Ubisoft have got to go on and and. As in in terms of the overall sort of franchise, I still want to keep mm-hmm. playing these games. I'm never in like a day one mad rush to do so, but they always come up at some point, and I always sit down and play them. And I expect I'll carry on doing that for now. Um, but yeah, but yeah. I enjoyed it, and and I think it's just yeah, had you know, I'm not being funny, but you know. Attacking redcoats <laughs> never got boring, and I really enjoyed that stuff. And then they turn blue at the end after you've done everything, and you still end up just doing the same yeah. thing yeah. again. But uh, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, they're still they're still peacekeepers, so you still can't. Yeah, well, they still want to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, I, I, I'm really hoping that um, Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag comes to PS Plus mm. now, like like this did, because uh, because I quite like the idea of more. Ship-based yeah. combat. Also, just wanted to say, um, obviously, not everyone who's played every game we cover can always be on every podcast. But um, it is also worth saying that our own Carl Moon also considers Assassin's Creed Three to be his high mm. point of the series. So, it's um, I'd say it's probably the less common view, um, but mm. but uh, it, but it's not uh, it's not um, a mm. unique one. Yeah, um, I, I should yeah. I should actually so. make an amendment. Um, I couldn't even finish Assassin's Creed Unity, so maybe that's actually the low point in my in my uh, history <laughs> with the series. But I guess that's for another show. Bugs or boredom? Uh, all of the above. I, I oof, man. Because I know some people are really I enjoying know. that game. You know, I mean, and this is this is one of the things that we tried to do on this podcast. Exactly. Is not going yeah. into games with the with the like you know the con- we're neither as I've said before we're neither trying to um, give a massive build up to games that the perception is people think they're rubbish. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to tear down sacred mm-hmm. cows. We just say what we think about a game. And I've heard, you know, the the perception of Unity is if you went on the critical consensus that it's a mm-hmm. buggy mess. But actually, I've spoken to people who are saying, well, it's had a few patches now yeah. and it's brilliant. I'm having I'm having loads <laughs> of fun with it. And that's that's what it comes down well, to. Well, had... don't get me started on <laughs> Destiny. Then. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Jay had a lot of fun playing Assassin's Creed 3. I had fun playing Assassin's Creed 3. But it does seem to be, it certainly seems to be, um, if, you know, if the... Uh, 
if the franchise has a a tipping point mm-hmm. for people, it seems to be seems to be there. But um, mm. yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, who knows if anyone listening to this hasn't already made their mind up? But uh, that's what we think. It's a spread. Uh, so just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Brian J and Sean, and to tell you that next time in issue one hundred and sixty-three, apartment-based terror in Silent Hill Four, the room. Mm-hmm.